This is Americana Podcast, the 51st state. Americana is a very broad term for an incredibly nuanced genre of music. It has, without a doubt, pulled from, if not completely absorbed, other micro-genres, which otherwise would be considered regional. We've seen it with the inclusion of artists such as Kebmo, Blues, The Wooks, Bluegrass, and North Mississippi All-Stars, Alt-Country. As the genre terminology in itself grows, so does its capability to include other types of music, which may have never had quite the reach on a national or international scale. The question is, where does it stop? One such continually contested genre may in fact be one of the oldest components of what general audiences would recognize as Americana music, and that's Red Dirt Country. Red Dirt Country gets its name from the color of the soil in Oklahoma, but Texas as well stakes its claim over the genre, the argument being that the music made below the banks of the Red River is Red Dirt Country. Regardless of the borderlines, the musicians and fans of Red Dirt have a pride that burns as hot as the sun that shines on both states. So what happens when it's included under an umbrella term that admittedly fails to highlight the beauty of regionality? The answer could come from the perfect bipartisan, Cody Canada. Cody Canada was the frontman and primary lyricist of the southern cult classic band Cross-Canadian Ragweed, which lasted from 1994 to 2010. A leading figure of the subgenre, with biographical loyalties to both Texas and Oklahoma. Canada is currently the frontman of Cody Canada and The Departed, as well as the head of the School of Rock in New Braunfels, Texas, an organization which is dedicated to teaching kids at all ages the gift of music through hands-on application, peer-based community, and genre development. In Americana Podcast's first recorded live episode, Robert Earl Keen speaks with Canada about the proudest moments of his discography, regionality, and his work with the School of Rock. I'm your producer, Clara Rose, and this is Americana Podcast, live from Green Hall. And here we go, over and over again, and how many times must we try to pretend that it's ever gonna change now, it ain't never gonna change now. How about another nice hand for Ray Wiley Hubbard in that band? What a day. What a day. Want to rock and roll. All right, we got something pretty cool that's going to happen here. Um, Robert Earl Keane has a podcast. It's the Americana Podcast. 
And so Robert is going to do his podcast. So would you please welcome the host of the Robert Earl Keen Americana podcast, Robert Earl Keen. And his guest this afternoon, Mr. Cody Canada. Howdy, howdy. Can you hear me? All right. Yes, sir. My name is Robert Earl Keen, and this is Americana Podcast, the 51st State. We're at the Americana Music Jam in Green Hall in Green, Texas. Our guest today is Cody Canada. How are you, sir? <laughs> How are you doing? I'm wondering. Good. Weren't you just playing a, I did. a few minutes ago? I did. Well, we're going to get started out. I want you to tell me about uh, the Wormy Dog. Can you tell me All about right. that? Uh, the Wormy Dog is a, uh, was a bar in Stillwater, Oklahoma that uh, played nothing but uh, Americana music. This is 1994. They played it from 3 o'clock in the afternoon to 2 o'clock in the morning. They played records from uh, front to back. And I knew that was uh, the kind of bar that I wanted to make a living in. Yeah, that, I, was, that I, was the beginning? That was the beginning. Me and Jason Bolin and Mike McClure had Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Yeah, fantastic. We played every Tuesday. And, and I, I met you there one time, right? Yeah. Yeah, you always remind me of that. Because <laughs> like, apparently I wasn't like my normal affable self or something. <laughs> well, I was also uh, 19 and uh, very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now we understand. It was a wash, I guess. Uh, there we go. <laughs> so Cody was, uh, Cody was born in Pampa, Texas, and left at a very young age and lived in Oklahoma for a long time. But now he lives in New Braunfels. And uh, so I want to I ask, um, uh, do, you, do you consider yourself a Texan or more of an Oklahoman? I am going to get it right. The guy's like, get it right. <laughs> <laughs> Get it right. Bro. I was born in Texas, and it took me about 20 years to get back to Texas, but uh, my, my heart is right in between the Red River. Oh, yeah. All right. So, all right. All right. So he's going to start his new career as a politician real soon. <laughs> yes, sir. That's right. Right. So what was the first musical instrument you ever put your hand on? I saw George Strait when I was five years old at a little dinner theater, and I went home and asked my mom for a, a guitar. Right. Yep, six-string, little six-string parlor guitar. And that's how it got started? You started right then? Yep. Really? Yeah, six years old, I, was, I learned about four chords, and I haven't learned the fifth one yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm, with, I'm totally with you. I actually, I'm one chord behind you, as a matter of fact. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what did you think about music before you played professionally, or is there a difference between, you know, being a professional musician and then the time before when you were, you know, just listening to music, gathering ideas? Well, I mean, I, when I was um, first listening to music, it was all 90s, 80s, 90s country music, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and I was gathering ideas, like you said, and... Um, I was writing songs that I had no idea what I was writing about mm -hmm. until um, I discovered a guy named Steve Earle. And it, uh, it, it really uh, it made me realize that there's a, a grittier side mm -hmm. of the songwriting, you know? Yeah. 
So is that when you, after you heard Steve, is that when you decided this is what I want to do? Yep. Yeah, that was it? That was it. So um, we want to talk, before we get into uh, cross-Canadian ragweed, were there any other bands you played with before that? I am very proud to say that I played with a band called The Great Divide for six months. Yeah. <laughs> and that was uh, Mike McClure? And, yep. Yeah, okay, great, great, great. So uh, how did uh, Cross Canadian come together? I, I opened up a show acoustically for Toby Keith in 2000, or I'm sorry, not 2000, 1993. I opened up for Toby Keith at a high school auditorium. And a DJ was there, and he picked me up, and he took me to Stillwater and said, you don't want to do this. I want you to, to play this music from the heart. I'm going to introduce you to a band. Introduced me to uh, The Great Divide and played there for six months. And then they said, thanks, but no thanks, and we'll help you out if you get a band. And I said, I'm going home to start a band. Oh, wow. So I went home and called my friends, and um, we started playing. You know, Man, it was, it was really that... It almost sounds easy, huh? It was very easy. Yeah. We, were, we were still in high school. Yeah. I must be only dreaming Maybe it's a hundred times It crossed my mind Just tonight Said maybe I miss your loving Said maybe I miss your kiss Just a little bit well, Maybe I miss your body a record that you're most proud of from that cross-Canadian era? Uh, the Garage record is my favorite one. Favorite? Yeah, and a song on that record that you're most proud of? Uh, Dimebag Daryl, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, it, that record just, it meant a lot. It was a, a very, uh, very different part in my life. You know, there was three women in our band that were... Uh, Three of us were expecting kids, and it was mm -hmm. a very uh, frightening moment. You know, we had, we had to back up a record that was successful with another record, and then we had three kids on the way, and so we really just kind of just dove off a cliff and said, let's see what happened, and I feel like we did the best work that we did, ever did as that band. So uh, Cross Canadian was together from 1996 to 2010, which is a long time for bands to stay together. <laughs> Uh, what what uh, what do you attribute to the longevity of CCR? We were we were uh, <laughs> we we were high school. And we actually we were kindergarten friends mm -hmm. first. Right. And, uh, I've known Jeremy, who's still my bass player. I've known him since the fifth grade. So it was, you know, we we had been in arguments and fights before we got in a band. So we got all that out of the way. Yeah. So, uh, if you don't mind, uh, we can talk about The Departed a little bit. Yeah. Right. So, um, in 2015, you re reunited with your bandmate, Jeremy Plato, and formed Cody Canada and The Departed. Can you tell me about the formation of that group? Well, when, when Ragweed split, uh, Jeremy and I, I went to his house and I said, uh, what are we going to do? And he said, we're going to continue to play music. Oh, wow. And it was a simple answer, you yeah. know. And so, I, I really tried to reinvent what I was doing and... Um, Hired, hired another guy to play uh, in the band, and uh, some more other uh, some other musicians to play, and I really got away from what I consider myself, right. and it didn't work for me. It really didn't. I mean, I spent three years trying to to run away from what I had built, and then 
about that fifth year, I realized that there's people that like what I've done and I need to continue to write how I write and sing what I sing and, and not try to reinvent the wheel, you know? Right. It was really easy once I found, figured out that just do what I've always done. Right. So was The Departed, uh, anyway, did it change your writing process at all? It did because I was writing with other people and I'd always written by myself. And it, um, co-writing is, is frightening to me because I'm always afraid that the person I'm writing with is going to say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Right. You know, so um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I wrote, when I was writing with other people, it definitely changed how I sang, how I approached the song musically. But once I got back to doing it by myself, it was an old pair of shoes. So what Departed record are you most proud of? The most proud I am is the, I'm not just saying this, but it's the recent one. It's called Three. Um, I'm most part proud of it because I got back to what made me write music in the first place. And that was just not overthinking things. Okay, here's one maybe you might overthink for me a little bit. Is there an instrument that you would not utilize in a recording? Hmm... Oboe. Oh. <laughs> Dimebag Daryl, God bless that man, ripped from us by the devil's hand. Only thing in his plan was love and rock and roll. Cowboy from hell on a twisted trail, swept away where the wild winds will. Sad truth is, you can never tell when it's your time to go. talk about your musical writing and your writing influences if you don't mind uh, you had an affinity for bands like nirvana and pearl jam you cite outlaw country as having a, a prominent influence on your work uh, what are the mu musical influences today to now today i mean uh, you're you're a giant one <laughs> you're you're a very big influence let me give up you know, really, I, uh, the people that I listen to are, um, I listen to a lot of what my kids listen to. You know, they introduce me to a lot of, my kids like metal, so we go to metal festivals, and I, I see, I, I saw Tool two weeks ago. That was really awesome. But when it comes to um, the stuff that I listen to for inspiration, it's my, my peers, my friends. Like, right. I, um, I can't get enough of Reckless Kelly. Right. I listen to them all the time. I do, and... Um, and the people that I've listened to my whole life, you know, I listen to, I don't really think I go, I, I, I find new people. It's, it's you and Steve Earle and Reckless and Leanne Womack and Merle Haggard. And, and then when there's the, the whole other rock and roll side, but there's not a whole lot of new stuff. Right, right. Well, you, you mentioned some country, uh, Merle Haggard and uh, Leanne Womack. Uh, you know, Vince Gill is from Oklahoma. There's mm -hmm. a lot of Oklahoma country people, Reba McIntyre, right? And uh, so how did, you, how did you stumble on rock and roll music in Oklahoma? I, uh, well, everybody around me was listening. When I was 13 years old, that's when Nirvana hit. And it was the biggest thing to happen in music in 20 years, or right. maybe 20 years. So everybody around me, I, I was listening to Clint Black and Alan Jackson and and stuff like that, and all my friends were going to see, my friends went to see uh, Pearl Jam open for Nirvana, and I didn't go. 
Because I was like, I'm not going to that. I don't believe in it. I don't know what it is. If it's not country music, I'm out. And then once everybody came back, I realized I made a very, very big mistake. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, started listening to it. And uh, it was just, it was pop culture at the time. And and I'll never, I still listen to it on a regular basis. Are there any unexpected influences, books, films, a family member or mentor that you can cite as far as influences? Influences? Oh, man. My dad was... um, He's always been a, a giant supporter of what I do, and, and he was a, a huge fan of, of music when I was a kid, and when I started playing guitar, he was behind me 100%. And then the teenage years happened, and, and I, I kind of disappeared from him for a bit, and then I got to open up for Willie Nelson when I was 22, and my dad came around. <laughs> but it's always been, it really has been for him. I mean, he's the one that really pushed me from the get-go. I read that you tend to write as a way of handling intense emotions. What emotions are we talking about? <laughs> Fear, <laughs> anxiety, <laughs> questionable situations. <laughs> yeah. I, I always anger. Yeah. Anger's the one. I, mean, I, I always feel like if I'm really happy, that I don't really have a lot to say. Uh-huh. And but if I'm upset about something, and I try not to be upset about anything, but uh, this is a music business, and you know, and there's right there's people that'll irritate you, and I I, I get irrit- I get irritated, and I'll write a record. Yeah. I've, I've written five or six records just out of okay. Anger. <laughs> well, uh, if anybody has any tomatoes and apples out there, start throwing them now so we can get another record out of Cody. Okay. <laughs> Yes, sir. I, I, I don't mind being happy, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold, hold the tomatoes and the lettuce. All right. Uh, that's not a sandwich joke, by the way. So, uh, Towns Van Zant used to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and go into a closet and write. Do you have a writing ritual or a space? Um, driving. I like, to, I like to get behind the wheel and turn the radio off and drive. I, I'll drive through the hill country a lot and really? just... Uh, just bounce ideas through my head and just that's it driving's yeah. always been really therapeutic for me yeah um let's see uh, so do you have a go-to feedback person to play a song when you have a new song is who do you play a play it uh, for it used to be my wife uh-huh. i would play songs for her uh now it's all three uh i play songs for my kids i mean they're old enough now where they really understand what this means and yeah. So, I mean, it's the family. I'll bounce songs off them. Yeah. I, I, find, I find kids are amazingly honest to play Very to. Honest. I mean, as, as a matter of fact, you'll start playing, and in about 10 seconds, if they think the song's crappy, they just walk away or they yeah. look at their phone. You know? <laughs> if they like it, they keep looking at you. It's like, oh, okay, we're, we're on to something here. I always get the, uh, this sounds like this, Daddy. It's like, Ooh, well, boy. well, next song, next song. Let's <laughs> grab that one off. You always said I'm tainting your hometown. Running from your folks, running from the law Running from love, running from your fears, running from it all You keep on running, boy, you run yourself in the ground You're always 17 and you're
This next session of Americana podcast is called Short and Sweet, okay? So these are short answers. Short, okay. a- short answers, you know, one or two words, okay? Uh, what was the last instrument that you purchased? Guitar. What kind of guitar? <laughs> a, uh, a double neck guitar. Yeah? Yeah. Was that recently? or That was about two weeks ago. I bought oh, a, a double neck baritone six string. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what was your favorite recording experience? Favorite recording experience was the record that we talked about, Garage. Uh-huh. Because it was uh, intense. And so what was your worst recording experience? Ooh. Every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so you get nervous while you're making a record? You... No, not really. Yeah. No, I, I get nervous walking into it. But yeah. once we get in there, it's, it's, it's easy. When I've had to, to sing on other people's records, that's when it's really nerve-wracking to me. Right, right. So your favorite venue or favorite part of the country to play? My absolute favorite venue is Kane's Ballroom in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Kane's Ballroom in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> Yes, sir. Well, I, I, I was going to say Green Hall, but I can go with Canes, I guess. All That's right. what I said, right? <laughs> uh, do, you, do you still own uh, the Buck Owens guitar? I still have it, yes. Uh, do you want to sell it? I would not sell it to you, but I would gladly <laughs> give it to you any day uh, of the week. Uh, too nice. Thank you. <laughs> so now we're going to talk about the School of Rock, School of Rock that yes. you started here in New Braunfels. And uh, you and I share a passion for uh, helping kids uh, that like music. Uh, mine is uh, the Hill Country Youth Orchestra, which is in Kerrville, Texas. Mm-hmm. It's for 150, about 150 kids are in it. And it's every kid from uh, 6 to 18. And you go there and you learn how to play the violin, the viola, the cello, or the bass. Obviously, this is a, a more of a classical side, but you have the school of rock. So tell us how you and Shannon put that together. Well, well, uh, what it's, what's, it's a franchise, for one, you know, that we bought into, but we really believed in what people, what these, this guy named Paul Green started it back in the 80s, and uh, we're trying to stay as close to his formula as possible. Right. And um, so basically what it is, is when you learned smoke on the water in your bedroom as a kid, yeah. as we all did, yeah. was the gateway drug, right. Yeah. but you take a kid and put it with a, a bass player and a drummer that know this song and you build a band right. around it. And the, the best, like this kid gets to play with this kid, this kid gets to play with this kid. And we have an incentive program to play Green Hall, you know, and we did, we played Green Hall on a Sunday and sold it out. One really? Day, yeah, with, with these kids. And um, I don't know, I just, when I was, when I was a, a child, you know, I didn't have anybody to really play music with, but one dude. I didn't have a band to play with when I was nine years old. And this, like, opens the door, and you bring the kids in. And we all know how public school can be for some people these days, and a lot of kids are kind of ready to hang out with kids that have the same interests. Uh-huh. And that's where, that's where my passion of this school is, is these kids leave school, and they had not the best day, and they walk in and see 20 kids that are ready to play a White Stripe song together. Right. And it's the best part of their day. So what are the challenging? What are the challenges at, at your? At yeah, I mean we have we have like seasonal lists, like uh-huh. seasonal sets. Like this year, this season is uh, Southern Rock, 
So they're learning stuff like flirting with disaster and something to talk about by Bonnie Raitt, which is really great right. to see kids try to play a slide and yeah. throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first one we did was um, British Invasion. Yeah. And then we did, a, we're going to do a Queen show and we're going to do a Texas Red Dirt thing. And this summer, we're doing a camp of songwriting. Like we want to teach really? kids how to write songs, and uh, if you're not busy on a Monday or a Tuesday, we'd love to have you. So is that every Monday in the summer, or what, what are you talking it's, about? It's uh, for about about two weeks, I think. Oh, wow. And then starting in September, it's, we're going to have a full-on class of songwriting. Oh, that's fantastic. Bloody knuckles and a warm heart of love Say you'll do it when At Americana Podcast, it is our goal to define and expand on the genre of Americana music. With help from our friend and music connoisseur, Will Vote. this is Will's Pick. From the 1969 Brown album by the band King Harvest has surely come. The debate about the definition of Americana music may go on forever, but there's a good case to be made that the origin of the genre could have come from a record released 50 years ago. The second album by the band, which has become known as the Brown Album, was released one year after their well-received debut, Music from the Big Pink. Whereas Big Pink had many ties to Bob Dylan and the music made in that famous pink house near Woodstock, the second album moved to a new place which is now defined as Americana. With a colorful cast of characters including Virgil Kane, Little Bessie, Jemima, and Willie Boy, the three voices of the band sang songs of rural America that most of its first listeners were getting more and more detached from in the early 1970s. King Harvest Has Surely Come paints one of the strongest pictures of the fading Americana landscape. Alternating points of view between the desperate farmer and the union organizer, Levon and Richard's voices blend with Garth's organ and Robbie's gorgeous guitar on a song that lives today as well as it did 50 years ago. A dry summer didn't come before. Can we talk about uh, Americana music? Here in the here Americana podcast, we're trying to define and expand the genre of Americana. So um, how would you define Americana, your version of Americana? My version of Americana, uh, honest, honest music that everybody can relate to. I think right. that's what I would... Right. Yeah? Would say under pressure, that's what I would say. <laughs> okay. So uh, Red Dirt, like... Would you consider a red dirt music a 
part of Americana or a split from there? No, I think it's a part of it. When yeah. I when I was a uh, when I was a kid, I I met a guy named Jimmy LaFave, and God rest his oaky soul. And um, he was the one that actually coined the phrase of red dirt music. He said that the music of Oklahoma is as red as is is as pure as the dirt is red. Wow. And that's where that came from. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it's. It's all based off of what Woody Guthrie was doing. You know, that's where Jimmy and the Red Dirt Rangers and all those dudes. Yeah. I would say it is a very important part of the Americana fabric. Right. So do you consider yourself Americana, Cody? Do you? Yeah, I do. I, I embrace it, uh, yeah. you know, because it's, it's something that I can hold on to. It's something I believe in. So, yeah. I, I do. I really yeah. do. I, I've always felt that it cocky to say, well, I belong to this part of the club. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I do. I consider myself Americana. Do okay. you guys consider me Americana? Yes, is the answer. All right. So is there something that you think Americana needs more of? I mean, as far as, like, how it expands o- over time? Do I th- what Americana music needs? Yeah, you know, I mean... I think Americana music needs um, people that are sincere about their song and uh, not about... How many tickets I can sell? How many? Uh, how good I look in this T-shirt? I think it needs to be about the music and the music only. Is what I think. Well, that works for me because I never look good in a T-shirt. So <laughs> I can finish it. Right. All right. I so we had- every song needs to be thought out. Satellites, meteors, circle the sun. See what we've done. Are we really someone? All of this comes crashing down. Who do we blame? in charge of the latest game the engineer on this runaway train who's it for what's it to you i'm having a good time hallelujah you have a lightning round here this Uh is this is this is very that's very very simple. It's sort of an either-or thing, right? Okay. okay. So the light, lightning round goes like this. Strat or Telly? Telly. Biscuits or Rolls? Biscuits. Schleter Bond or Slip and Slide? Slip and Slide. <laughs> Hemingway or Jack London? Hemingway. Wow. The band, The Doors, or The Willie Door? Oh, The Doors. <laughs> <laughs> Carnegie Hall or Green Hall? Yeah. Green Hall. <laughs> What do you say, audience? Yes, sir. There we go. Tequila or mezcal? Tequila and a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, Shinerbach or Lone Star? Lone Star. Chess or Monopoly? Ooh, Monopoly. All right. Uh, Highway 46 or I-35? Oh, 46. Okay. Freddie Mercury or Freddie Fender? Oh, Freddie Mercury. Woody Guthrie or Woody Harrelson? Woody Guthrie. (laughs) Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Oh, come on. (laughs) All right, all right. Pearl Jam. (laughs) Uh, Photo shoot or root canal? (laughs) Root canal. (laughs) All right. K-N-B-T or K-E-E-N? Ooh, uh, (laughs) can I get back with you next week? 
KNBT. All right, there we go. All right. Here at Americana Podcast, we believe the organ known as the B3 deserves a better name. Do you have a better name for the B3, Cody? Uh, yes. Let's call it the guitar. <laughs> That's good. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Americana Podcast of 51st State, and we've been talking to we've been talking to Cody Canada from the band Cody Canada and the Departed. Ladies and gentlemen, give him a great big hand. Well, thanks very much, Cody. I really appreciate this. It'll be great. An honor. Mr. Robert O'Keen. Thank you. All right. Now we're gonna have to. All right, man. At this time, we would like to thank our host, Robert Earl Keane, Matson Rainier, the staff at Green Hall, and our guest, Cody Canada. Americana Podcast is brought to you by Keane Productions, produced and edited by Claire Rose, mastered by Pat Mansky, with original music by Kim Warner. Until next time, let the music play.